You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And Mike, we can celebrate once again. because We have football. Exactly. All across the country. The great sport of football is back on fields in random places. And fortunately for Colts fans, they get the chance to be there, which is not happening everywhere anymore. And we talked to Colts general manager Chris Ballard this Wednesday morning, and he certainly stressed once again that he's glad to have camp in front of the fans. He values camp in front of the fans. And come Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock, the first practice, that's the first chance the fans are going to get to see the 2019 Colts in action. What what he stresses and what I always mention is, your fan, your your fan base is is it's more than your season ticket holders. It's more than your suite holders. It's the mom and pops who who can't afford season tickets, who can't afford to plunk down, I don't know, three or four hundred dollars a day uh, on a Sunday to go, but but they're just as as rabid fans, and training camp gives them a chance to watch practice, to see players, to connect at some level with players. And this goes back to the Manning years. Players will stick around after practice and they're going to sign autographs. And you see players without their helmets. You interact with them. That's where you develop your long-term solid fan base. It's with the grassroots that maybe can't go on a Sunday. We did get a couple of medical updates from Chris Ballard. Specifically, uh, the Colts are going to put Spencer Ware, running back, on the pup list with a, quote, muscle issue. Thank you, Chris Ballard. At least for... we know he's, he has muscles. Yes, he does. Um, and Darius Fountain is on the non-football injury list. He rolled an ankle sometime over the last few weeks. Uh, but again, Ballard said that that is not a serious issue, that he should be back even in a day or two as possible. Where could be a week or two, uh, Ballard, I believe, leaned toward two weeks, he said, to be more conservative. So, Right. In the one with where the Fountain, you know, he may be out there Thursday when they practice. Day one, yeah. With Spencer Ware, I mean, this you need guys practicing. I hate to sound like a coach. But when you're Spencer Ware trying to unseat Jordan Wilkins probably for that third spot, you know, lost time is, is time you just never make up. So hopefully he'll get back sooner rather than later because the early weeks of camp is sort of where you turn heads and it's where you get yourself on the depth chart and it's where your reps are sort of determined. So And, and they've got big hopes for Spencer Ware. They think this guy could be a thumper in this offense, so hopefully he's not out too long. So those are the players that Chris Ballard specifically mentioned. Also said, uh, not in terms of a injury list or anything, that the Colts will limit some guys through these first 7 to 10 days. They're not going to rush people back into action who haven't been in a lot of action over the summer. Guys like a Jack Doyle who's coming back from hip uh, surgery. Um, and also mentioned Andrew Luck in that as well, that he's one of those guys that the first 7 to 10 days, they're not going to rush him back into full go in camp. So it's going to be a uh, probably a little bit more of a steady dose of Jacoby Brissett, Philip Walker, Chad Kelly for these first few days before Andrew Luck, Mike, is back to full go out of training camp. Yeah, we need to sort of warn fans not to be, you know, hit the panic button with this. Right. Now, the only thing that was different, we didn't get Luck uh, on reporting day Wednesday morning which we've always gotten the quarterback that first day. It, it's, it, I think it's Lux and the PR department's desire to talk after the first practice on Thursday. So we'll talk with Luck, hopefully, 
on Thursday and I'm pretty confident he'll be out there on Thursday and throwing right. some even though like we said he's not going to go full go. If he's not out there that I would be I would be stunned. If he's not out there on Thursday at two o'clock, then all of a sudden training camp takes on a different tone. That's for sure. Entirely. But uh, again, this is I have to film another podcast. Yeah. As, as, yeah, we'll be back in the next couple of days. But but Ballard mentioned that when he first got here and first went through Luck's injury situation, you just learn to take these things slow. I really do think that Lux, you know, rehab 1.0 sort of stalled because he he pushed it too much, and they they figured out through there that slow and steady is the way to do it. But yeah, because the one thing that, that Ballard did reassure us that Luck has been throwing, he said the arm's in good shape. So how much they limit him, we'll see, because we just know how much Luck wants to play and balance that between not pushing it. But we, we will see the quarterback out there playing on Thursday. And a pair of other players who we did get the chance to speak with this morning at reporting day, uh, T.Y. Hilton and Darius Leonard, who were working back from some injuries throughout the offseason. Well, Darius Leonard had surgery. Yes. Had the ankle surgery, and he... I saw him running uh, at the end of minicamp. So he'll be fine. He told us he'll be out there. T.Y., what he told us that... He hemmed and hawed a little bit. Well, he, he the question was, were you at full speed at the end of minicamp? Right. He said, not really. Yeah. But he said, I am now. So I... And again, what we're going to see, if, if these players, it won't be as extreme as, as the offseason where if you had a blister, they didn't practice you. But they're not going to push... You know, Clayton Gathers, he needs to practice, but... You're not going to push it. There's four or five players again. Jack, I'm most interested probably past the quarterback is how how quickly does Jack Doyle get back to being the number two tight end or you know tight end one A to Ebron. So when you're coming back from a hip injury, it's it's just difficult. So and he told us he's going to be rehabbing that hip all season. So he's the one that I'm most interested in. And the, the one guy that Chris Ballard. It's funny how you can always tell player or management's favorites when he always he mentioned Deion Kane. He's he's big on Deion Kane. He said this guy's looked really good the last two days. Rookies and first year players came in early and they're gonna sort of ease this kid in, but they think he's gonna be something special. The problem is he's le- he's less than a year removed from ACL surgery and you cannot push that. I, if he shows an ounce of what he showed last year in camp, I think that'll give people a lot Every to be excited day, about it was wins Deion. Somebody makes a big play. It was Deion Kane. Yep. So uh, they're high in the kid. Had the unfortunate ACL in the preseason opener. But what we saw, what he could bring, the deep threat to this offense is really intriguing. And right now, again, Mike, we've said for the past uh, couple weeks as we've done these uh, podcasts to get us from minicamp to training camp that any news in there is bad news fortunately the Colts did not really get any bad news in that time but uh, the same case could not be said for one of their AFC South rivals and one of their early season opponents the Tennessee Titans uh, announced that left tackle Taylor Luan all pro all pro uh, rather pro bowl type left tackle Titans cornerstone yes very much so going to be suspended the first four games of this NFL season uh, for violating the substance abuse policy. And indeed, Mike, the Colts will play Tennessee week two of this year, so they will have a uh, a very big advantage not having an all-pro type talent, Taylor Lewan, on the Titans' offensive line. So, so week two, the Titans are without Taylor Lewan, and the Colts have Justin Houston coming in from the right side probably. There we go. And so, so we'll see. That's It's like we said, it's 
it's never good news. It's seldom good news this time of year. And we've had news of three or four or five players suspended. And you just sort of hold your breath that it's not someone on your team. Because when you're talking 90 players, you try to make certain you've got the right kind of players. I, and I'm not disparaging Lawan. Who knows what he took and what whatever. But you just hold your breath because you you can only the the worst time is this time that just ended because when teams have their players in the building during the season you can sort of control them they're on a schedule you get these guys on their own uh, again not I'm not putting the wand in here but when you get young players on their own with free time they get back in their old stomping grounds and they're sometimes their old friends. Bad things can happen. Now, coach and front office can exhale a little bit. Whew, right here we are. We're at Grand Park. We've got. We, 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 can, we can take roll. We can give you a, you know, bed check and all that. You have some control over your team. And now the real work begins to decide who exactly is going to wind up on that final fifty-three man roster. The Colts have ninety guys right now that are trying to make it, trying to push through to make the final fifty-three, and that is a heck of an obstacle for many players. Um, near the bottom of this this list. And there are so many different position battles that will be very intriguing over the next couple weeks, over the next month or so, out at Westfield, back at Colts headquarters. So what we're going to do for this Colts Blue Zone podcast, for the vast majority of it, the big body of it, um, now that we've kind of got introduced, is go through some of the biggest position battles that we will have through this camp. A top five, if you will, of position camp battles. And I think if you're going to start anywhere with camp battles for the Colts, you need to start at wide receiver because there's a lot of guys in that mix who uh, performed well last year. Like we've mentioned before, Andrew Luck threw to, I believe it was 14, 15 different guys. 13 13, different receivers. Yeah, for touchdowns last year. A lot of guys got involved. A lot of guys showed that they can perform on Sundays. Can you name all 13? Oh, boy. I I probably could if we went went through it. Um, I don't know if we want to do that right now. I don't think you can, but we'll we'll, we'll hold that for Okay, well, we we might do it later. We might do it at the end of the the podcast, see if I can get all 13. But uh, for right now... Um, The Colts 53-man roster entered last year with five wide receivers. So you're looking probably at five from this year. They might keep six. They might keep six. I did my my roster of evaluation the other day, and I had them keeping six. But that is you keep six receivers and three tight ends and four running. So they they will keep five. They might keep six. Whenever you keep one more, uh, like as you know, Mike, you have to take one away from someone else. It's and, amazing how that works. It's a numbers game. <laughs> and it, with with guys like an Eric Ebron or like a Naheem Hines that can split out wide as well in different five wide quote unquote sets. I, I think it it becomes more difficult to keep six wide receivers because if you have you're other the sixth receiver, you better play special teams and, and play, play the heck out of it. Yeah, play it really well. So. Anyway, if you're taking five or six wide receivers, here's what it looks like uh, on the depth chart. T.Y. Hilton, pretty locked in. I, I think would he'll say. make it. I think he's going to make the team. Devin Funchess, they didn't pay him $10 million in the offseason to, to get cut. To get cut at the end of training camp. Exactly. Devin Funchess will be on this roster. Of course, this is all assuming injuries are uh, a non-factor for all these guys, obviously. It goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. After that, uh, Paris Campbell. You don't draft a guy in the second round to uh, have him not make your final 53-man roster. So those three guys, I think, are locks on this team. After that, you can make arguments either way for a group of about five or six guys to make this final 53-man roster. You have Chester Rogers. He's probably 
maybe the most likely to make the team. I don't know, perhaps. But the Colts signed him in the offseason, uh, one-year tender, $2 million. So out of everybody who's left, he's... Non-guaranteed. Exactly. He's making the most money, like you said, non-guaranteed. So Chester Rogers is there, but he's going to be in a fight for his life with uh, these other guys. And one of his strengths last year was the versatility. He's a punt returner. Yes. Well, they're looking at Paris Campbell to be the punt returner this year as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You have Deion Kane, who we've already mentioned in this podcast because Chris Ballard... He will make this roster. That's a guarantee from, it's a, from it's Mike Chappell. It's a 98% guarantee from me. So that's maybe four guys who are locks right in there, if we don't count Chester Rogers. Um, there's another guy who Chris Ballard talked about today, uh, this morning, uh, that he brought up without being specifically prompted about him, and that was Zach Paschal. Whenever the GM brings up someone unprompted, you, you just need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Because as someone has caught has caught his eye, and he talked about this, the guy came in in June, and he did whatever they wanted him to do, and he did it well. Mm-hmm. Special teams player, he is. If you're into blocking wide receivers, he's an elite blocking wide receiver. He, he's obviously a GM favorite, and if he's a GM favorite, I'm sure Frank Reich likes him as well. I remember. I think it was against the Texans last year at Lucas Oil Stadium. I still remember the. Uh, the beautiful route that he ran in the corner of the end zone. It was just the the fake, the end, then go to the flag. And he was he had five steps on his guy. And this was like a, a 10, 15-yard route, just completely fooled some guy, turned him around, and found himself wide open in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. So he's one of those players that Andrew Luck threw to last year, Mike. So I've got I've got Zach Paschal in my back pocket for that list. Uh, that <laughs> also, we'll a guy that he's not on the same level of as Deion Kane, but Reese Fountain, we, you, we mentioned him who was a higher draft pick and and he just he never fifth rounder I think and, last year and he year. just didn't develop as quickly as they thought of course they they thought he was going to be a project cuz he came from northern Iowa I think it was so UNI, a smaller yeah. school and and this will be a big year for him because you I think so you're yeah. getting some good depth which is a good thing uh, another thing about Reese Fountain a if you lose any time it hurts uh, so he is. He does start off on the NFI list, like we mentioned. That was the list that Anthony Costanzo was on last year. He came back and then didn't because he he aggravated it. So and then he misses I, five games. Yeah, exactly. And this is this would be completely spitballing. But if if they rush Fountain or Fountain rushes himself back because he knows this is going to be a battle from start to finish in this camp, and he's not a hundred percent yet, it could be the worst thing for him. Right. So that's just something that he's got to keep in mind and consider as he's working his way back. Uh, into this roster and, and you mentioned that he's a guy that just didn't develop they as as fast as some other guys that doesn't mean that he doesn't blossom in year two of course um last year i believe it was there was a road game where they were really thin at wide receiver i think ty hilton didn't make the trip but uh my boy steve ishmael made the trip at least down there i think it was ahead of reese fountain so they promoted him off the practice squad even though eventually uh ishmael did not make where the, did ishmael go to school I don't know. It's escaping my memory right now. Don't worry. I, 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 can, I can remind the you. Citadel. I can remind you. Where was it? Syracuse oh, University. Oh, oh. I've got. I've got a just he, a black hole. Yeah. If you him. didn't know, he broke Marvin Harrison's. Uh, I believe it was career yards record. It was that or career catches. I think it was career yards that he broke. Uh, Marvin Harrison's record. Marvin Harrison. I'm going to say that one more time. Marvin Harrison, another great. Who I believe was in Canton. Syracuse part of, Orange part of Men. Orange Man. Back when we were the Orange Men. When we were men. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, I brought up Steve Ishmael, my boy. Uh, spent most of the last season on the practice squad. That one week he did got bumped up to the 53-man, even though he did not play in that game. He was left as one of the uh, the inactives uh, for that list. 
Uh, Marcus Johnson we saw last year. He's a guy that Frank Reich knew from his time in Philadelphia. Signed him over when the Colts needed some wide receiver depth, played, and scored a touchdown until he got hurt. I think it was, was it? Same game. Yes. I can't remember which game it was, but he catches a touchdown. Then they've got him returning. Was it the Jets? It might have been the Jets, because I think it was a road game. It might have been. It was early in the season. And it was sort of a fluky injury where he's out of bounds and he gets hit. Yep. And I think they they like Marcus Johnson. That's why I say you get past what we think are four locks, and if they keep six, if they keep five, it's going to be a dogfight to see who gets that because you've not mentioned, you know, Penny Hart, who they like, Krishan Hogan. Yep, I who, love Krishan Hogan. I'm telling you, you talk about it, you, they're looking for size. He looks like a tight end. He does. And he's just sort of, this will be his third or fourth year, and he's put in the time. He's had injury issues. And he, had an, he had an ACL as a rookie. But he, he just, there, there's so much intriguing depth at this position. And I mentioned Penny Hart, one of the undrafted guys, mm-hmm. they've got a streak of 20 straight years of one, at least one undrafted guy making the team. Active, longest active streak in the league. That streak will be put to the test this year. It, it's interesting. if you. I wonder if you ask Chris Ballard, hey, do you want that streak to continue? Because, A, it means your, your guys, your scouts are doing their job. They're finding diamonds in the rough. But, B, uh, it also means that you're not always drafting or signing the right guys. It, it's kind of a catch-22, I well, guess. I think it's a great... It's a great recruiting tool if that's the right thing too. But when you when you're when you're trying to sign these guys, say, right. listen, we've got to, you know if you can play, you will make this roster. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's kind of a it works both ways. But what you want is where you you get the roster where it's strong enough to where all eight, nine, or ten of your rookies are not going to make the active roster, and it's re- going to be really tough for an undrafted guy to make it because you're so strong, top to bottom. Having said that, twenty years encompasses. The Manning years, and and that was a strong were roster. Those, those were good rosters, but they always found the Terrence Wilkins, the Dominic Rhodes, the Gary Brackett. So, uh, and, and again, they 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 just don't give lip service. If you're if you are quality enough, they'll find a way to keep you on the roster. So we're in agreement for sure on four wide receivers: that T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funchess, Paris Campbell, and Deion Kane will make the roster. I agree with that, even though I think you can make an argument either way on Kane even though you should probably lean toward he makes the roster. So those four guys are darn close to locks, at least. And the fifth or sixth spot, you go Chester Rogers, Zach Paschal, Marcus Johnson, Reese Fountain. Kind of depends on what these guys do over the next couple weeks. Maybe guys and, like... And injuries. Yes, that too, for sure. I think Rogers' position on the roster depends on how well Paris Campbell uh, develops in these first couple weeks. How much do you think that uh, how much the Colts think that they can put him in the lineup in the slot uh, just the I guess the skill that he shows there the ability to take on the offense and be more of a slot receiver than just a gadget play guy if he's not uh, progressed well enough in that area they keep Chester Rogers I think to be that more of a consistent third wide receiver but if he takes strides forward, I would not be surprised at all if Chester Rogers is cut at the end of this game. Well, again, the fact that they want him to return punts as well. Right. And if he can do that, it's going to be tough for Chester. And again, the way that Chris Ballard talked up Zach Pascoe, yep, it, it means something. I keep coming back when, when the GM unprompted brings a, a kid's name up. So this is a great, great problem to have. And the, la- the worst thing you want is when you make the cuts, I think it's August 31st, and you cut at a position, and you're hoping somebody cuts players better than what you've got. 
that shouldn't be the case this year. And now all the cuts are at once, unlike in... Correct. Uh, well, last year, I think it was like Last this, year was but, all at once, but they used to two-tier it. Exactly. So now everyone all of a sudden is... Uh, is all of a sudden you have thousands once. of players yeah. on the open market. It's the wild, wild west, I'm right. sure, with uh, with GMs and front offices everywhere. So that's kind of a good breakdown, I think, of the wide receiver and core. That's number one in terms of positions that we're looking for in this camp. Another uh, great position battle should be at cornerback well, as well. Before we move on here, let's uh, get to predictions. Who's the fifth guy in you guys' mind? I think I think that Rodgers makes the makes the cut. I don't think that they're going to think Campbell is completely ready yet. So I think it's going to be uh, Rodgers, and I don't think they keep a sixth. I think it's Pascal, and I do think they keep a sixth. Mine was really close between Pascal and Rodgers. I kind of feel like Pascal has more upside, um, but Rodgers, I kind of lean towards him for the reasons you were talking about, Dave. If Campbell goes down, Rodgers is kind of better suited in the slot. He can has that value on special teams. So as, when you're thinking about your backup, he kind of slides into that slot position, whereas on the outside, you already have Deion Kane to step in if T.Y. or Funches goes down. Mike? Yeah, I, I just think Pascal, mm-hmm. he, he, he gives you more special teams, and I do think Paris Campbell is going to be a quick study. I think I think coming opening day, he might be your slot guy, your number three receiver. I don't think it's going to be too much for him, but that's going to be worth watching because, again, what they don't want, they want this kid to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Where when you do that, maybe he's not good enough at one spot. Mm-hmm. So if they would just leave him at slot, let him return kicks, and then try, you know, he's, he, we're going to get some gadget plays out of Paris Campbell as well. But let him sort of grow as a slot receiver. Then next year, let him worry about playing outside. I just. As much as Chester Rogers makes plays and has an occasional drop that drives you crazy, I think Paris Campbell makes him expendable. Do you think uh, Penny Hart's your last guy, your sixth guy? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, did did we get all six from you? Penny, no, no, I've not. Get, Mark, I'm going to go Marcus Johnson. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Marcus Johnson is a guy that was just starting to come on, and like you said, he's got a history with Frank Reich. Uh, I just don't see one of these other guys, as much as I'd love to see Creshawn Hogan make it, I just don't think there's a spot for him. So there's our view of the Colts wide receivers. Now we will shift to cornerback. On their final 53-man roster, or their initial 53-man roster, I should say, last season, the Colts entered the year with five cornerbacks, uh, 10 total defensive backs uh, as well. So maybe five cornerbacks, maybe six cornerbacks this year. Uh, Four would probably be too few. So once again, kind of like wide receiver, you're thinking in the five or six range for cornerbacks on this Colts roster. And if we're looking at the list right here, uh, let's see. We have Kenny Moore, one of those. Locked in. They just signed him for to be the richest slot corner in the NFL. I don't think he's going to get cut when you go no, down from 90 again, to The question is going to be, will he, when, he's not, when they're not in, in slot coverage, will he be an outside guy or is Quincy Wilson? But he's certainly one of your top three. Pierre Desir, uh, another one that was signed in the offseason as a free agent. Colts were impressed three, enough. Three years, $25 million. Three-year deal, big deal. He is coming back. He is going to be a starting cornerback. Um, Rock Yassin, their first pick in this recent draft out of Temple in the second round, albeit, absolutely a lock to make the squad. Those three guys are locks. After that, Quincy Wilson, you're probably the next one that is the most likely to make the roster, and very likely, I would say, in that sense, He's a guy that uh, was a second-round pick a couple years ago. We've touted his potential for a long time. I think it was uh, the old defensive coordinator, Monaquino who talked about uh, just had to 
be more. What was it he said Maturity. specifically? Yeah, it was maturity. maturity. He came. Keep in mind, I always compare Quincy Wilson in some ways to Miles Turner with the Pacers. This is his third year. He's 22. Right. Still a young He's kid. He's still a young kid. He, he, he admitted he was immature. In the last half of last season, he really seemed to get his act together. So I, I would list him as my third guy mm-hmm. ahead of Rock Yassine. And that's but, quite possible. Absolutely. Right, but Rock Yassine's a lot because he's a rookie. And that's what I'm him. saying, yeah. Right. So, But, but they really my, – my issue would be is when you go to your base defense, is it going to be Desir and Wilson? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Desir and Moore? Or is it going to be Desir, Wilson, and then Moore goes in the slot when you're in nickel? But Rock Yassine's going to push somebody for time. And we'll get further down here. Chris Milton, who's sort of a – I don't say marginal. He, he, he's a fill-in guy, but he's a core special teams player. Core. And you have to find a way to keep guys. Maybe that's – with a Chris Milton, you keep six corners mm-hmm. because of that. And then you got Nate Harrison, who – this is a monster season. He either makes it or he doesn't. He, he's either going to be one of the top four or five guys. You're not going to carry him saying maybe next year or this is the year he develops – so it's a big year for Nate Hairston. A couple other guys as well. You have to include another draft pick, Marvell Tell III, who was a safety in college, but the Colts have always talked since they drafted him. They told us that night that, hey, we're going to try him a corner because we think he's a corner in the NFL. So he's a guy you want to include in this list as well uh, in terms of possibilities to make one of those final spots. I, once again, if there are five spots, there are six spots that we're looking at, we kind of locked in Desir, Moore, and Yassine for sure. Quincy Wilson most likely so there's four right there and either the last spot or the last two it's coming down to a guy like a chris milton a nate harrison a marvell tell the third and also a jalen collins a former second round pick uh who where's my jane jalen collins here on my list his third season hasn't played since 2016 so it's been a while he was a second round pick in 2015 but has been suspended four times by the nfl this is the ultimate last chance. Last, last chance. Yeah, it's not like, well, if I don't make it here, I can go to, no, you can go back home. Right. So, and this is a guy that we really don't know a lot about. He came in late last year because they wanted to just see what was there. Uh, is, is he the guy that gets that fifth or sixth spot? I keep looking at these. I keep wanting to add a player. I think that I had him keeping five when I did my roster breakdown. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the numbers. There's no way they don't keep Marvell Tell. Yeah. And I don't see putting him on the practice squad. I don't know if he would make it to the that, practice that, squad. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And if he's on there initially, does somebody take him? So it's it's the numbers game, really. If you steal a, a spot to carry five, uh, six corners, where do you take it from on defense? You only carry four safeties? Probably not. One less linebacker? Maybe. that That's a possibility. But, again, to, to want to keep an extra guy here, you got to take a spot from there and it's going to be a tough decision. This is, I, I think, I, I'm going to give you a little preview. I, I think that the final roster spot is going to come down to either an extra cornerback or a uh, or a defensive lineman. Like those, that's the last one that's going to be for, from my vantage point. I think everywhere else, it's probably going to be really consistent to last year in terms of numbers. But but that that's that's my initial thought. About I think what's going to come I think down they, to. I think the place that's easier to steal a spot is linebacker, only because. You're in nickel so much, so maybe you don't need quite quite the number of bodies. And you've got Ben Banigou, Banigou who can who's going to start a defensive end, but they can slide him back. So, but we'll see. Again, injuries is going to play into this. But again, you just have to remind people: if you're going to keep an extra player here, you've got to take a player away from somewhere else. 
And if you're looking at perhaps a, an undrafted rookie to, to crack the list here, Chicago Taylor is an undrafted kid out of Kansas. So once again, if that 20-year streak is going to last to another year, then well, somebody's going to have to crack it somehow. And it's a guy that we're not really going to talk about all that right. much in a, studio, in a setting like this until we get to see him. But, but every year, it's, you can go back and look at the guy, one of the guys that made it was a guy that no one talked about coming into camp. Mm-hmm. They sort of emerged. Right. But again, when, the more you go through these positions, there are so many, I guess, proven to some level players, it's going to be hard for an unproven guy to step in and really turn heads. So let's go with our five or six, however many it's going to be for this Colts roster. I have the same four that we talked about. Moore, Desir, Yassine, Wilson, those four I have certainly on the roster. I have Chris Milton as well making this roster because I think his value on special teams is incredible. I keep going back, and I've said this multiple podcasts, that the play that he made to down the punt inside the five against the Giants helped the Colts win the game. That's that's half Milton getting down there. Of course, that's half Rigoberto Sanchez making a great kick, but uh, I think Milton is on this roster. And the last spot, gosh, I am going to give it to Marvell Tell. I'm going to go with six corners, but I... <sighs> I, I don't want to do this, but like we were saying, Mike, I just don't think they're they're going to want to let Marvell Tell go because I don't think they can afford to cut him and think he's going to make it onto their final roster. So that that's I, I have six. I I think Tell forces to keep six, which means that Nate Harrison doesn't make the roster. Yes, which we'll see how that plays out. But I just I think they really like Marvell Tell, and this is a kid. As much as you hate hate to use the word projects, but they sort of forced him into some kind of a developmental season by switching positions. Yep. So that's on them. And and again, if they really believe this kid is that good fifth-round pick, it's, it's not like you're all in on the guy. Mm-hmm. But you saw something, and I think they keep six with Marvell being the last one. So the next in uh, next position that we're going to get to is defensive end. Should be a very intriguing spot, especially, Mike, because uh, we know that the Colts need to get after the quarterback more than they have in the past. They've said that for a couple years now, and they brought in Justin Houston, obviously, to be the lead in that sense. So you can lock in Justin Houston to a roster spot. By the way, I'll say on last year's final 50, initial 53-man roster, I need to say initial, not final, initial 53-man <laughs> roster, uh, they had four defensive ends going into the air. Four defensive ends. So this year, you got Justin Houston, who is a lock. You don't sign him in the offseason uh, to, to get cut. Jabal Sheard, in his uh, ninth season in the NFL, started all 16 games last year. Lock on the other side. So those are going to be your bookend defensive ends right out of the gates. Jabal Sheard and uh, Justin Houston. Uh, Kamoko Ture, second-round pick last year. I think the first two are locks. After you do that, I'm pretty sure that Teray, I'm 98% sold that he's going to be on this final roster. There's very little doubt in my mind. I think something crazy could happen, so I'm not going to say lock of all locks, put your mortgage on it, but I, you can put your portfolio on it if you, want to, if you want to put it that way. So we have Kamoko Teray. So those are three defensive ends right there. After that, you have guys like Ben Banigou, who is a second-round pick this year. I kind of have him slotted in as a linebacker as well on my final 53. So to be fair, I'm cheating a little bit here uh, because he's going to play a little bit back and forth. You have uh, Al-Kadeen Muhammad in his third season, started four games last year. Uh, Gary Green, a sixth-round pick out of Mississippi, Mississippi State in this last, uh, last draft. Um, the whole slew of guys, also Jihad Ward, who saw some time last year. 
on the defensive line. He played both interior and exterior, um, but he's another name that's that's out there. Um, Tyquan Lewis is on here. I, I'll keep put Tyquan on the inside. The, the problem, wanna... the problem with when we start, and I, th- this is my old school, where this guy's a defensive end, this guy's a tackle. These guys move these guys around. Yeah, they want Tyquan Lewis to be their uh, three technique tackle, and that's where I think he he will be. But you're going to have, you know, Justin Houston's an end. Jamal Sherrod's an end. Right. Therese's an end. Banaju. Banagoo? We'll be an end. Banagoo. I'll, I'll never get that right. Maybe yeah. one day, Mike. He, he, don't, don't doubt yourself, he, Mike Chapman. They want him to play end, and I don't think they're going to fuzz up his rookie season by bouncing him back and forth unless they have to. But I really think Tyquan Lewis is going to be one of those guys interior. So it, it's if, if we go with four defensive ends, we've got our four defensive ends. It's pretty obvious if that's all it's going to be. Um once again, I like I have Banigou listed on my final fifty-three as a Sam linebacker, so it kind of it, it kind of throws a little little wrench, uh, monkey wrench into things. So I think uh, Sheard and Houston and Ture are all going to make the final fifty-three. That last spot's going to go down to Gary Green, Muhammad, or Ward. Um, I like both Muhammad and Ward. I think they both showed a lot of really good things right. last year. Um, and you want numbers to get after the quarterback, especially when you don't have one set guy that you're sure can get you 10 sacks in a year as much as they hope Justin Houston is that guy. He's not going to be that guy three years from now, so I don't know. Maybe you think Teray's kind of in line for that, but nevertheless. But this is a big year for Teray. It is, very big year for him. The year, year one to two is when you really want to see the jump. You know, They didn't see that with uh, Terrell Basham last year. Cut him loose. They, when his was, third, was he a third-round pick, I believe it was? I believe so, out of Ohio. And Bobcats. they sort of waited and waited and waited. And uh, I'm not saying Ture is, is facing the same type of thing, but they need to see growth. And he showed from time to time last year it's a pretty good pass rush. So, again, it's a deep group. Everything that we're saying here, it, it, it speaks to this, the overall strength of the depth because you're, you're getting rid of some players that in, in some years they would have been not starters, but they would have certainly been in the rotation. I I have along with those three guys that we mentioned, Sheard, Houston, and Ture. I think uh, Muhammad does make the final roster. Gary Green goes to the practice squad as a sixth round pick. He's a guy that maybe you can cut, and perhaps nobody swoops in to sign him for their roster. We'll Agreed. see. Agreed. So uh, that's where we are. And is, is your fourth Banigou and boom, you're yes. done? Because okay. I'm I've, I'm 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 believing Iberflus yeah. where they say we're going to make this guy an end. Mm-hmm. and let him grow and not try to stress him out too much. All right. So next is linebacker, and uh, we've talked about linebacker because uh, I've mentioned Ben Banigou on my final 53 in this list. But anyway, the Colts' initial 53-man roster last season, they had six linebackers. Uh, six. But, Mike, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, they don't use six linebackers all too much. This isn't the 4-3 anymore, the 3-4, where you have four on the, on the, the field all at once. Um, they had two on the field. For the majority of last season, the vast majority of last season. So, if there's a if there's an area where you can afford to maybe cut something down, this could be it. That's where I, I keep thinking that if they need to steal a player, a roster spot, this is where you do it because you may value that sixth corner more than you do your sixth linebacker. Although linebackers, again, uh, th- th- those generally are core special teams players. Yeah. But uh, again, it's it's kind of showed you that. If I'm not mistaken, when Ballard came here in 2017, 
there may be only is it one linebacker still here from that group? That's Anthony Walker. Yeah, that's it. Shared was a linebacker in the three four. Technically, but, yeah. But it shows you what he wanted to do with the with the position when they drafted three linebackers last year. If you want to put at the time Banigou in there, so when you draft three players at a position like they did at linebacker, it shows you where you thought that group needed an upgrade. So let's run down the linebackers right now. We have Darius Leonard roster lock. We have Anthony Walker roster lock and perhaps the uh, biggest snub in the Madden rankings. If you haven't listened to that <laughs> podcast, check it out from last week when we talk a little bit about Madden rankings. And there's absolutely no reason that Anthony Walker should be a 69. It's ludicrous. Um, Bobby Okariki, third round draft pick out of Stanford. You don't draft a guy again in the third round just to cut him after camp. I expect Okariki will be on that final roster. So you have those three guys. Then I have Banigou there, who was a second-round pick, who was a lock. So I had four, really, out of the six as locks, including Banigou for myself, technically or not technically being a linebacker. I don't know. Like we've said, we'll see. I'm eager to go to camp to see what they do with Banigou. That is one of the biggest things, just to see, hey, do they really stick him at end and leave him there as a rush guy, or do they float him out there at linebacker somewhat? He made it sound like he wasn't even sure. I'll do whatever the coaches tell me to do. Mm-hmm. So we're already getting coach speak from a rookie. Fantastic. So anyway, there's, those are four guys that I have there. Uh, three for sure, maybe, if you're talking uh, Mike on your list or Joe on yours. But after that, we have another one of uh, my favorite players in the NFL, and that is Zaire Franklin from the Citadel. Syracuse oh, University. I got why, why, why am I Citadel, Mike. I'm going to get you like a Citadel hat or something like that. Just so, so Are they black can, and orange like my Beach Grove uh, Hornets or not? Uh, I literally have no idea. <laughs> but Zaire Franklin, uh, in his second season out of the Cuse, had two starts last year in uh, admittedly limited action. Uh, saw plenty more on special teams. Uh, Matthew Adams, uh, five starts technically last year as a rookie out of Houston. Both of those guys were seventh-round picks in last year's draft. You got EJ Speed, a fifth-round pick out of Tarleton State from this year's draft. Sky Moore was an undrafted player who made last year's roster, so he helped helped him keep the streak going. Exactly. He extended that list. Ahmad Thomas also saw some time near the end of last season at linebacker. Uh, He was an undrafted player in 2007. If you're going to look for a rookie, an undrafted rookie, perhaps Trey Thomas, an undrafted kid out of Colorado State, uh, to find his way into this roster. But I don't think, personally, first of all, I highly, highly, highly doubt that linebacker is going to be a spot that we see an undrafted rookie because they seem really stacked to go into those last two or perhaps even one positions over the four that I already mentioned, Mike, because they drafted heavy there this year. They really wanted to develop depth there with some of their draft picks, and that appears to be what they had, albeit youth, but depth right now. That's why I think going into camp, you've got, you would think Matthew Adams has a, a, a maybe a, a leg up on on Sam linebacker as long as Banajou is not there, uh, and again they, they they bring experience. Franklin and Adams both played, Sky Moore played, so it, it's going to be a little bit like you said difficult for that unknown guy to be the next Gary Brackett and step up and make a a major contribution. That's why I'll go back to saying I think this is a spot that. As much as you're in sub-packages, I think you can get by with five linebackers. I think, um, so if we're looking at um, our final list, whether it's five or six, I have six and Banigou is one of them. So I have Banigou, Anthony Walker Jr., Darius Leonard. Those are kind of the quote-unquote starting three. Once again, Banigou, who knows. Um, Bobby Okariki uh, as a backup Mike linebacker. After that, EJ Speed, I have my final, on my final roster. 
Um, and then I have Zaire Franklin. So those are the six that I have on my list. Um, I have Adams cut. I think the battle between Franklin and Adams in particular is one that will be intriguing throughout this camp. This is one of them that really could come down to the final day or the final preseason game where coaches really aren't entirely sure who they want to keep. And both of those guys are going to get extensive playing time in that game that no, no fan really cares about watching too much at the end of the preseason, but every coach is uh, locked in on every play just to see if there's anything anybody can do to stand out in that situation. I would probably lean towards Leonard Walker, Okariki, Matthew Adams. Part of me wants to say Sky Moore. I, I just, I, I just think they like what he brings. EJ Speed, perhaps maybe he's a guy again that you look to the practice squad. I don't know. But we didn't get to see a lot of him in, in the offseason. These first few weeks, I just want to see how the rotation goes, you know, with Banigou not in the mix. If he's not going to be in the mix, I want to see how these guys are lined up in rotation-wise because this this past the first two guys is wide open. Speed is similar to Tell, uh, Marvell Tell, who we talked about earlier, and the fact that he is a fifth-round pick and uh, he's going to be really fighting for one of those last roster right. spots. So. Uh, is he a guy that you think you can get on the practice squad? I don't know. Um, he's from a small school, so maybe that'll help you. Um, and if you're the coaching staff, do you weigh, oh, since we're trying to really shift tell into cornerback, does that give us maybe a little bit more leeway? Maybe we can cut him and nobody will want to pick him up because we've been working at him at cornerback for the past couple months. That They don't want to uh, make him a safety themselves. Uh, it's it, These are all things that, I mean, coaches and front office members have to talk about themselves. And um they will be very intriguing discussions, I'm Agreed. sure. Again, this is going to be the one where you're probably going to steal a position, but I want to see how these the fourth and fifth guy, maybe sixth guy, pans out because it's not going to be that household name that, that earns the roster spot. So we've talked wide receiver. We have talked cornerback. We have talked defensive end. We've talked linebacker. And the uh, final position that we will dive into is defensive tackle. Uh, the final list of top five position battles at this upcoming Colts training camp. They entered 2018 with five defensive tackles on their roster. I personally have them going into 20, uh, 2019 with only four defensive tackles on their roster. This is where I have that extra spot going uh, for cornerbacks to keep Marvell Tell on this roster specifically. So uh, this is a spot, again, where you could see some flexibility. I know that uh, the that Eberflus and the entire defensive staff, I mean, they like to rotate defensive ends and defensive tackles, so having depth here is important. Um, but again, it's a position that I think at least have some ability to cut back on one spot, perhaps, and then go into the season like that. So let's run down the defensive tackles. Uh, projective starters for this Colts team would be Margus Hunt and Nico Autry. Those two guys are pretty darn close to locks, I would imagine, uh, for the 2019 roster. Autry himself had nine sacks in 12 games last year. Nine sacks in 12 games. A guy who was a late roster addition from Chris Ballard um, and certainly impressed very much. He had a couple games where it was like two or three sacks, too. So he was a... Defensive player of the week yep, and all that. Explosive dude. Um, so you got Autry and Hunt there at uh, defensive tackle. You have Tyquan Lewis who was a second-round pick last year, who they really like. and they're gonna... Missed the first half of the season with a foot injury, I believe it was. Uh-huh. And then came into the second half and showed reasons why they liked, right. why they liked him. Right. Um, and those three, I think, are locks. 
the fourth position, Grover Stewart. That's another one that I have pretty darn close to a lock, maybe like 90 95% that Grover Stewart's there. He's the biggest one of the bunch. You need big guys, if not even for just uh, Joe, what's he, what's he listed? Have you got the roster? What's he listed? I've got the roster. He's right at here. 330, and I believe he's the only defensive lineman they have above 300 pounds. I, think, I, th- I thought Karan Reed was right there. Karan might be close. Let me see. Anyway, my point on Grover Stewart is you need guys even for like goal line situations to Reed's plug listed, up some holes. He's at 292, but you you need guys who are on the kick return or the not the kick return. Sorry, the um the kick block team to to be in there that are big and Grover Stewart kind of fits the bill there. Right. Team goal line even like yes. you need a big body. Yes, so those Th- those certain one what you need you need some beef in there at times. Speed and, and quickness is great. Mm-hmm. But there's, there are a few occasions where you need to have that bulk in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jihad Ward, who I mentioned earlier in defensive ends, uh, also could played a little bit of defensive tackle last year, so he's a possibility. Karan Reed, you just mentioned, um, going into his sixth season, uh, started one game last year when he was uh, playing with the Cowboys. And again, if you're looking for an undrafted rookie at defensive tackle, Sterling Shippey, a kid, a rookie out of Alcorn State, Mammoth Alcorn State, perhaps able to make a mammoth impact in, uh, in Colts training camp and steal some steal some attention. But um, if you have four, I think you're pretty set with Hunt, Autry, Lewis, and Stewart. The question becomes, Mike, do they keep that fifth, or does that is that a roster spot that goes somewhere else? It could be a roster spot that goes somewhere else just because of the way they like to play some guys inside, some guys outside, because Danico Autry played some in the last year as well. So did Tyquan Lewis. So it, it's th- this is where it's a little difficult when we pigeonhole guys, tackles or ends. Yeah. But if they keep four, I like the four you kept. I just don't know that. Again, Jihad Ward showed some bursts last year. Karan Reed, we don't know about because he was an offseason acquisition. So if you go with four, this is four, and this is a good four. I I think the uh, the decision between Jihad Ward and Al Qadim Muhammad could be um, could be. Let's see. I, I, we talked about it a little bit earlier, so I don't want to get too much back into it. But Ward maybe has some more position flexibility to work inside a bit more. That could have something to, to do with it. Um, and I think Mahabad's a little bit better off the edge just from what I saw last year. Um, so um, so that, there we go. There's our defensive tackle list, Joe. Before we move on from D-tackle, do you think there's, you know, what do you think about the chances Tyquan Lewis could maybe beat out Marcus Hunt for that other starting spot? If they like him that much and he makes that kind of improvement, maybe adds a little weight. I don't think it's out of the question. Um, I think you sign Marcus Hunt to an extension in the offseason for a reason because you expect him, of course, to be your starter there. But um, if Lewis has gone through a fully healthy offseason, which I believe he has, I don't think we've seen him uh, injured anywhere, and he has taken um, good strides forward. I don't think that's an unreasonable thing to think going into this year that Tyquan Lewis should be pushing Marcus Hunt for a starting spot, Mike. Well, yeah, and the one thing we need to keep in mind is we all get sometimes preoccupied by who are the starters, especially on the defensive line. I don't know that it's going to matter because they're going to play this. It's, this isn't the offensive line where you want five and you stick with them. They want to keep these guys fresh and they, they will play in waves. There'll be some guys play more than others. Jabal Sherrod will be on the field most of the time. Danico Autry most of the time. Justin Houston, not so much. But, uh, again, I can just see these guys to where they try to go keep guys fresh. And with the 10 guys that they keep, whether it's 6-4 and four or 5-5, five and five, it gives them the chance to do that. 
And I want to bring in, uh, bring up something else right now because we've been talking about roster locks and you know question mark guys are ninety percent, ninety eight percent. And I'll tell you, Mike, last year I would have said that John Simon was a roster lock, and there's no way they're getting rid of John Simon, who had multiple sacks in the first couple preseason games, looked by far like he was the Colts' best defensive lineman, and then all of a sudden John Simon's looking for another job. So the things that we see and the things that we talk about. Even though we all have good reason for uh, believing these things, and that's why we flesh it out in a podcast situation like this, the Colts front office and coaching staff could be thinking something completely different. Then all of a sudden, leaves someone like me scrambling, like, why did you let John Simon go? As it turned out, it it was probably the right choice. Exactly. It was absolutely the right choice. It allowed some of the young guys to get some more experience. Uh, Simon signed on with the Patriots, and good for him. He went on to get a Super Bowl. Congratulations, John Simon. So it was better for everyone involved. So, so as much as we, a lot of us and, and fans complain about why did you do this, there's generally a re- not general. There's almost always a, always reason, a reason why they do it. And you know, Chris Ballard told us it was a difficult decision because of the things that John Simon brought to the roster. Mm-hmm. But as far as making the move from outside linebacker to defensive end, to j- and we questioned the move early on in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And they sort of, well, we just think this is best for the defense. Well, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it was best for everybody to part their, you know, to go their own way. Joe, can we save these last couple for next week and see if I can name all uh, all 13 players that <laughs> Andrew Luck uh, threw a touchdown to you, last it year? It gives you time to do your homework. Yes, exactly. No, no, no. Yeah, we'll, we'll look into those two in, uh, in future weeks. But right now we're going to see if I can name every single player that Andrew Luck threw a touchdown to last year. And like I said, I think I can do it. Mike Chappell did not believe in me, and so that spurns me on to even greater fervor in this quest. And so uh, we will go to the... Uh, Joe is going to the internets right now to find the entire list, but I'm going to get started. And I mentioned Zach Pascal already earlier in the show for catching a touchdown, uh, the specific touchdown. So we have Zach Pascal as number one player that caught a touchdown from Andrew Luck. I'm going to go with T.Y. Hilton. I believe he's caught one or two touchdowns over his career from Andrew Luck. So we have T.Y. Hilton at number two. Number three, I'm going to go with Eric Ebron. He's caught one or two touchdowns just last year in particular. Almost threw a touchdown, in fact, to Andrew Luck. And uh, if you didn't think Eric Ebron was insufferable already, he would have been even more so last year if that was possible. So I've got Eric Ebron, number three. Number four, we'll go stay with tight ends and say Jack Doyle. Doyle caught a a touchdown, I remember, against Miami because I've edited the video a couple times because it was shot really well by our our fantastic photographer, Brett Bensley, in the back of the end zone. So it's one that I like to go back to in the well whenever I'm uh, using generic Colts video. We've got Jack Doyle there as number four. Eric Swope, if we're sticking with tight ends, uh, caught a couple touchdowns in a couple weeks in a row before he uh, had an unfortunate end uh, to his season with an injury. We're going to stay with tight ends, and we're going to go with Mo Cox, who caught perhaps the most impressive touchdown catch of last season uh, in the corner of the end zone against the Oakland Raiders. And we'll play that one back and forth, absolutely. We're going to stay with tight ends. We're going to go Ryan Hewitt, one that people might forget there. Ryan Hewitt getting a touchdown catch. I believe it was near the end of the season. It was in yeah. the final game, wasn't it? I think so. I think that, that might have been the that, last it, it, one. That tied the league record. Yep, that might have been the last one, that Ryan Hewitt is number seven in there. So we've got to seven. Uh, let's see here. Let's go with Chester Rogers for number eight. Chester Rogers caught a touchdown pass from... 
one Andrew Luck. So we've got eight in there. Uh, number nine, we have Dontrell Inman. Caught a couple. One in particular, I believe, against Miami. He got blasted in the end zone after catching it, and it was a couple seconds after. Threw a flag. I remember it was either it could have been Tennessee um, that, that that catch came from. But anyway, uh, we have Dontrell Inman at number nine. Number nine, Dontrell Inman. Okay, now we're getting to uh, the bread and butter here. We've got Naheem Hines, who caught a touchdown pass. Naheem Hines at number 10. Uh, Marlon Mack, number 11. Mr. Return of the Mack. So we've got 11. Did you say 13 is the number, or is it 13. more than that? It, it is 13. 13. Okay, we got two more. We've got Marlon Mack there uh, as number 12, uh, number 11. Okay, now then. Um, uh, Marcus Johnson, of course, caught the touchdown that we talked about earlier in the show as well. So we got Marcus Johnson. I think he's going to do Johnson. it. Johnson. Bing, so. bada, boom, at number 12. Um, uh, who caught a touchdown from Andrew Luck last year. Okay, now comes uh, – it's probably somebody that's, like, really obvious now. You know, I've gone through all these people who are, who are more the, the ancillary guys. But I think I know who it was. Um, I'm going to hold off for a second just so I can rack my brain and try to figure out if there is possibly anybody else that it could have been. Um, I think I got all the tight ends. Ross Travis was injured by the uh, beginning of last year. It couldn't have been him. Uh, wide receivers. I, I, How quickly they forget. I know, I know. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, between two, I'm between two people right now for this last one because I'm not sure who it was. I'm not sure if it was Jordan Wilkins or no. if it was it was not Jordan Wilkins. Okay. Was it um, Ryan Grant? Yes. Caught t- it, was early, it must have been early in the season that it was Ryan it was Grant. It your Eagles. Okay. It could have been, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right because, yes, I was there at that game. I remember that. So there are 13 players who caught touchdowns from Andrew Luck last season, and it was indeed Ryan. I couldn't remember for sure if he had if he did catch a touchdown, Mike, but thank you for jogging my memory. That's what we're here for. Exactly. So, well, I don't know. We'll have to put me on the spot again next week and have me probably fail miserably next time. Yeah, let's see what other trivia questions we can come up Name. with. We'll come up with a trivia question every week to see if – we can stump, Jeez, stump, I, I, stump Dave. Na, stump the Q. Name nice. Na, stump the Qs. St- name, uh, name the one undrafted rookie who has made the Colts roster each of the last twenty years. That's that's a better one for you, Mike. If we went back year by year, but uh, I could go back a couple years. Absolutely not uh, every year from now until. Uh, ad nauseum but that is the Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week uh, you can follow us online at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter you can follow Mike at mchapel 51 you can follow me at Dave G underscore sports and you can follow Joe at Roto Street Joe for our musings and ravings and observations from training camp throughout the next week and beyond until we return once again for another Colts Blue Zone podcast. So thanks a lot for listening, for downloading. Please subscribe to get this delivered to your podcast listening device every week. And we'll see you guys next time on the Blue Zone.